Welcome to Decolonize to Thrive, a podcast dedicated to nourishing the soul through stimulating conversation, thought-provoking facts, and vulnerable exchange. Join me, your host, Ina Briggs, and my co-host, T. Lacey, as we disseminate what it means to decolonize the many facets of our lives. Nice seeing your face. This is all good. (laughs) Um, I've grown a couple more white hairs since I've had a son. (laughs) I heard that'll do that. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely heard that. How old is your baby? He is seven months old. Wow, so you have a newborn, a newborn, newborn. Yes, my my first child. Congrats. Thank you. It's uh, it's been a roller coaster, but I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. He's a really good dad. Oh, <laughs> also, That's his baby has the cutest cheeks. Like it's just like cheeks actually made of marshmallows. <laughs> That's one of the nicknames for the wife. Is <laughs> uh, marshmallow. <laughs> so we are extremely honored and excited to have this conversation. Uh, with our guest today. Danny works for the state of New York for a company called Vibrant Emotional Health that partners with Youth Guide in Chicago and J.P. Morgan Chase doing a program called the Fellowship Initiative. This program helps high school students of color from all around the city of Chicago and the suburb area through the high school and college. Danny works as a mental health specialist and youth specialist, assessing for emotional wellness, identifying students' concerns and needs, and linking TFI students and families to mental health care, social services, and other entitlements. Danny also provides emotional and mental health services to parents and students as needed. And with that, we welcome Danny to Decolonize to Thrive. Hello, Ina. I appreciate you guys so much. We appreciate you being here. It's definitely an honor. So. Danny, is there anything you would like to share with us just about your background outside of um, the bio, the things that uh, bring you joy or just anything that our podcast community can learn a little bit more about you before we get into a few questions? Okay, well, first and foremost, uh, I'm honored to be on this podcast. I'm grateful in abundance to be here, and I believe in the work that you both do. I believe in both. I believe and I appreciate both of you. I believe in you so much. I love that you started this podcast, even as a service for the people, as well as to ask important questions within. You know, uh, critical yes. critical thinking is everything to me, and it's important to question everything. For as, sure. As far as introducing myself, my name is Danny Vasquez, and I have been working in mental health and wellness and youth development for the last eight years. I've worked in residential treatment, therapeutic recreation, youth counseling, crisis intervention, male mentoring, and college and career readiness. And the biggest thing I want to highlight about the TFI is, you know, th- this program, this program is it's, it's so great. It's committed to providing young men of color with the support necessary to achieve academic excellence and professional success that leads to greater economic mobility. I specialize in finding mental health resources, crisis intervention for any of my students in need, as well as preparing them for college and career readiness with a focus on mental health and wellness. I wanted to use my platform to give a shout out to our graduating class this year. Yes. Yes. 
you have a 100% graduation rate to college. Ooh, ooh. 100%, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> 100% college enrollment, over $5 million in scholarships from our fellows just this year alone. This graduating class has battled through the pandemic. Right. Ooh, where are my teachers at? Working with, with them virtually. I'm sweating just thinking about going back to virtual. <laughs> right. <laughs> All of us. Remember how tough those times were. Um, we have, we our, our students are going to North Carolina A&T, Howard University, Morehouse, Hampton University, U of I, full scholarship, Northern Illinois, University of Chicago, full mm. ride, DePaul University. We have a student who just recently received a full ride to Yale University. Wow. Cool. It just, wow. it's powerful. It's just so powerful. When you see when you see what these young men of color can do with the proper resources mm -hmm. and most of all support. Yes. Um, I definitely think that's one thing to get back to when we start talking in the podcast is like the role of support for young people and like what mm -hmm. support looks like for you and what like what the kind of support that you offer to these young men is and how important that is. Yes, it's just it, it's Truthfully, it doesn't it doesn't feel like work because I, I wish I had this when I was in high school. And I, I, I wish that um and I didn't even go on college tours when I was in high, high school. I, I went to the first college that picked me, Western Illinois, and I was excited. I saw the saw the team <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, they love me. I'm going. But now that I've been on <laughs> tours with, with the fellows, we've been to Nashville. We 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 went to went to DePaul University. I mean we went to uh, Duke University, North Carolina, all these places. And I was in awe, like I was going back to college. So it's just the, the opportunity yeah. that, that these fellows have is just, it's remarkable. It really is. I just want to say thank you for the work that you do. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you said that it doesn't feel like work. And I think that speaks to your passion and to your purpose. Um, and it's really important. So I don't want to, um, I want to make sure that we underscore just the need for that type of work and for it to be a link to something greater um, than just our students going to college, your presence makes a big difference um, and that consistent support. So thank you for that. Um, and can you share a little bit about what you think leads to, um, and I know you're gonna talk a little bit about this in the podcast, but what happens in the fellowship that is providing our young people with the levels of support that they need? What does this fellowship look like for our young people? Uh, the biggest thing is we, we provide we provide brotherhood. We we bring we bring um, Chicago students all over Chicagoland area, the suburbs, and they're all in a, they're all in one room in the first day, and they don't know each other. And so we build bonds from there. We build bonds. We build brotherhood. We show them we show them what it means to really get into the academics. You know, we got uh, we work with Chicago. I mean, we work with UIC, and we we have we have all these people come out and run different programs. We we do physical activities with these guys. We we go on field trips, uh, um, field trips, college trips. Well, um, we have we have uh, we have people come in to talk to them. Professionals come in to talk mm -hmm. to them. We had a uh, the, the it was important to me because I didn't know how to tie a tie myself, and we had how to tie mm -hmm. tutorials, and I was learning with the fellows how to do it. So you know, um, yeah, just being in the trenches with them, it, it it takes us back to when we were in the trenches, grinding in high school and college, and mm -hmm. more people like us helping them out. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I just love the community aspect. I think no matter how old or how young you are, having a community that you can go to and learn together and grow together is so crucial. But 
uh, for our young males in particular. It's really yeah. important. I was lucky enough to go to uh, the graduation of um, some of the fellows. And that was really special because one, it was really cool being able to see Danny in his natural habitat once again. Um, <laughs> and it was also really cool to be able to see the kind of bonds that these young people have built together and to a lot of the mentors that they had, right? Like the way that these kids approached Danny, the way that they talked to them, how excited they mm. were about their future and about going to college and about like all of the things that lay before them. And also how they, I think this was the most important thing. There, were, I didn't see any goodbyes at this graduation, which I think is really cool considering that goodbyes are usually full of, of uh, graduations, graduations, I'm so sorry, are full of goodbyes. Yes. Um, and I didn't see any goodbyes because Danny said, well, I'll talk to you soon. And they were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll be texting you, you know, insert time frame here about X, Y, or Z. Right. And I think that speaks to the some kind of support that this program provides and the kind yeah. of work that Danny does um, in this program. You know, it's just, we, the biggest thing is in this program, I see a lot of me in them and mm. it just, you, you need that little extra push sometimes. Sometimes you lose motivation just because you got to fail something or you lost something or we lost, we were grieving. So we, we were kind right. of in a state where I don't care about anything because someone just ripped something from my life. So maybe, you know, nine times out of 10, what do we do? We want to rip something out of your life, but we want to mm -hmm. put that out in the universe. So it's just like it, watching, watching these, uh, watching these young these young kids growing to young men and still have so much more to grow. It's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable to be a part of. Mm -hmm. Danny, what do you think is like one of the things you say most to them and why? Like, what's the thing that you say a lot to them? And like, Men like mental health is wealth. Woo! Say it again. <laughs> mental health is wealth. Okay. What does that, what does that mean? Tell us what that means. T, if you are going through something and you are struggling and you are finding strife in your life and you give me a phone call, I will be here for you because I'm confident in myself and I trust myself that I can help you whatever you need. Not a lot of people have that confidence in themselves. Not a lot of people, mm. not a lot of people believe in themselves. And that's, that's why I'm here. I'm here to empower mm. and don't show the fellows their powers and let them know like the only difference between you and them out there is the confidence you you seeing it you manifesting it you putting actionable steps to get there that's right mm -hmm. i think it honestly like that mindset is half the battle yeah um right the confidence is half the battle i feel like with a lot of my students we talk about like what imposter syndrome is and mm -hmm. how to overcome it and what it feels like right and how you know it comes from this inherent feel that we don't deserve what we're getting or we're that's lesser right. than right right rather than like no, we deserve to be here. Of course, we deserve to be here. All of this is ours, you know? So like, and I think it's so important to be like this kind of position with these kids, right? Because you have the ability to kind of show them what it might be like to not doubt themselves. And to remind them of their greatness. Because yes. it's already inherent. They just need a reminder. And what does it mean for young people to be growing up in the age of social media where, you know, there's so much information and so much opportunity to compare oneself. And, mm -hmm. you know, I always feel like you're not enough. And yeah. I think, and I talked to my daughter about this, uh, she's 18 and she also graduated with this class um, often about, you know, um, when we grew up, we didn't have as many, you know, <laughs> opportunities. I feel, you know, of course we had television and it was, you know, starting to become um, a little bit more popular, um, 
in terms of like access to social media. But I mean, these days it's just nonstop comparisons, nonstop images and reminders um, of, let's just be real, like capitalism. Um, and so I, I, I really, applaud um, the work that you all are doing and just the empowering aspect of reminding our young men that they are enough and um, that they matter. And that mindset is absolutely uh, the biggest key to, to their success. I'm, I'm glad you brought a social media up because that <laughs> is one of the biggest uphill battles besides parents that we face. Right. Yeah. Um, yes. I just want to briefly say that, you know, as soon as you mentioned social media for the podcast community, Danny just shook his head in the biggest kind of like, oh no, the devil kind of <laughs> right. way. Didn't he? I just, yes, I just like <laughs> wanted to put that in the space. Danny, please take over. <laughs> you know, it's just funny if someone's social as I am, I have not taken advantage of listening to all of the knowledge that there is on the podcast system. And I am late coming, coming to the party. So I definitely <laughs> But it's just, but, but the podcast is a good example of what a positive thing to do with social media. Yes. How positive things do we see our teams doing? You know, right. I, it's like if I have Instagram, if I have Facebook, Snapchat, uh, TikTok, we're all following each other on the same platforms. I, put, I make one post and it's on all the platforms. Like, guys, what yeah. are we doing is watch each other live their lives. You're not living yeah. your own. Yeah. And it, has, it builds this emptiness inside you. Because you say, oh, what's that? The FOMO fear of missing out? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, what they do, they, they, they're nervous about missing out as they're watching stuff, like, well, as they're literally missing out in the world. Yeah. So, and when we miss out, I'm sorry, T, when we miss out on that stuff, we, we're, we're, we're depressed because we're missing out. We have yeah. the anxiety we're not there. And, and so you're never really in the present because you're lost in the past and anxious about the future. Yes. So it always keeps you unbalanced. Mm. <laughs> Such a good point. See, and this is why I like this dude. He knows things. <laughs> and, you know, honestly speaking, I think too, not to spend too much time on social media, but um, the conversation, at least that I attempt to have with my daughter is, you know, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to change. So how do you then utilize it as a tool to support your mental health? Because that's a possibility. Yeah. I took a break from social media and I, I periodically I take these breaks from social media where I'm just like, I just can't do it this week. Right. Um, and then I'll deactivate because they give you the option to deactivate. Um, and then I actually realized once I logged back on that I feel like my social media is actually a tool that supports my mental health because I follow so much stuff that really like feeds me and like, you know, builds me up and empowers me. And I'm like, you know, it's a reminder that sometimes there is this, um, you know, there's one side of it where it's like, okay, I want to make sure I'm not doom scrolling. I'm not losing time and taking, you know, time away from my responsibilities. But on the other hand, this can actually be a useful tool. So it's not about eliminating it. It's about how do we use it in a way that can actually support us because it's not going to go anywhere. It's here. Right. And also, how do we encourage our young people to use it responsibly and use it in a way that like, I don't know, I think like I use my social media to, to learn stuff because that's what I'm obsessed with doing. So, and it brings me joy because I'm just seeing people do weird stuff all over the internet. And I love that. <laughs> right. Um, and so it's like, you know, helping our young people identify what they love and then teaching them the tools to kind of go after it and even either watch people do it and, or do it themselves. Yes. I've learned that since I've kind of unplugged from like social media or really like the entertainment world, the, the social media, I find, I'm starting to find my vibe tribe on there. Like you're starting right? to meet 
that, that kind of similar, similar, doing similar work you're doing and now we're teaming up and doing other things. And it just, I feel like, you know, social media can be powerful. It in can. Positive way. It's right in front of you. You can, you can really use it for some powerful stuff. And obviously you can use it for all the bad stuff too. So it's just. <laughs> yes. Everything true. that is good, like great. Uh, anything that is capable of great good is also capable of great evil. Mm, right. Right. I think that is also the key to the human experience, but that is not what this podcast is about. so when we think about impact um i would love for you to share with us danny just what are two or three statistics impacting our young people that you think we should know about as parents or caregivers that's a great question um i'd say by nearly every metric mental health is worsening um Mm. pandemic during 2021 school year more than 60 percent of have met the criteria for at least one mental health problem. Um, according to the Healthy Mind Study, which collects data from 373 canvases worldwide, um, three quarters of students reported moderate or severe psychological distress. And now high schoolers, now with high schoolers, more than four, four in 10, 42% of students felt persistently sad or hopeless and nearly one third experienced poor mental health in 2021 more than one in five students seriously considered attempting suicide and one in 10 attempted suicide. So my, you know, we, we need to tackle, we need to tackle this. We need to tackle, we need to stop the stigma on mental yeah. health, you yeah. know, in our community, especially in our black and brown communities. I, I can't tell you how many people I just get arguments with in my family. Just, um, just, just talking about, um, you know, if you're not feeling, if you're not feeling good mentally, what do you do for that? You know, you can't always just, uh, you know, older, older people turn to, you know, turn to uh, drugs, turn to alcohol, but that, you know, that is temporary. You wake up with the same feelings, right? Yeah. Self-medicating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they, you can even wake up even lower than when you started. That's so right. having these positive ways to cope with your mental health and, and it, it starts with our families because we, you know, in our DNAs, in your RNA you have a library of information from all your ancestors, all mm. your family are inside your ancestors are in you. And sometimes that means generational trauma. That means that, that sure. means a, a verbal abuse, physical abuse. Yeah. Right. You know, all of those things. It's in the family. So it's just how do we climb above that? And then right. how do we project that? Because what I see is we're projecting the trauma that we're getting from our family, or we're getting from the trauma that's happened to us in, in our in our roads. And then project that out. So that's why you see, I feel like everybody, we're all, a lot of people are vibrating at a low frequency because all we mm. see is, is negative propaganda, sadness, turn the news, it's all angry, sadness, stay in the house, um, pin black against white. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. just, it's just, it's, it's just never changed. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. so basically we need to be take we need to take actionable steps to be within the community and see how we can tackle this. Really be comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Mm. Yes. Absolutely. We had a podcast guest that uh, we asked at the end of the, the podcast, I think it was Dr. Crystal Keen. Um, we asked at the end, you know, what's one thing that we can really do for the Black community or like the community in general to help to help people? And she's like, talk about it. Like, ask them what happened to them. <laughs> like, we really yes. need to get it out in the open. Um, I just came back from a like a family visit with my mom's side of the family. And I watched an exchange between my first cousin and my mom, where my first cousin said, you and your sisters are the matriarchs of the family and generational trauma is a real thing. And if you don't get your shit together, we can't get our shit together. (laughs) Um, And I was like, oh, 
the, a whole word, a whole word. And I, I think this really speaks to the idea that, you know, it is, it is in our veins because it was in the air that we breathed growing up and it was in our parents' generation, right? And even if we get a lesser degree of it, it's still here in us. And we have to tackle that head on in order to make sure it doesn't persist in the, in our children and in their children. You, you pretty much gotta see like, uh, uh, you know, our brain's like a computer. Like we are so programmed with all these feelings and uh, of, of all these thoughts and feelings that aren't really from us. Right. But program into us, so we gotta. See, people think when we graduate high school or college that we're done learning. That's crazy, right? Right. Because because you have to learn and relearn. I mean, look what they teach in the history books. Still, they're still teaching that Christopher Columbus found found in America, even though everybody was there. How you find something over there? Right. You know? They're still teaching manifest destiny, like it was a great thing and didn't murder millions of people. Yeah. The, the history books. The only thing, I, the only time they ever talk about. Um, Latinos in general was like the Mexican-American war. Like I knew right. nothing, nobody when it came to yes. um, history class. You know why? Because the people who win the wars tell the stories. It's called history. Mm -hmm. That's Story. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, how we support our young people and understanding these statistics around mental health, it's, it's crucial. And uh, therapy, obviously, we know is one of those uh, things that we can do for ourselves, but also for our, our children. Um, and just doing the work of breaking these generational curses and this generational trauma, because as you mentioned, it doesn't always start with us, but we absolutely have to do the work to, you know, try to reduce the harm um, that is, you know, kind of filtered down through the generations and also give ourselves grace because considering that it is in our DNA, you can be trying really, really hard, but it's not about perfection. It's about progress. So um, I love that. And, and that's something that really resonates with me as a parent. Um, because I'm like, I'm trying, but it's hard, y'all. Like it is, yes. When you get on that journey, it's, you realize yeah. just how much further you have to go. Mm -hmm. Up against a lot. That's what it is. And yes. it's just, it can be overwhelming. And then when we're overwhelmed, what happens? We're overwhelmed. We start spiraling. We start getting nervous. That's and then right. your daughter sees that. And so when she gets mad, she gets nervous. She starts spiraling. It's a domino effect. And now you've effectively sent down your trauma to your daughter. <laughs> Which is crazy. Because it right? happens like just like that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, what you said leads into a really good question about, um, like, Danny, what are one or two things that parents or caregivers can do with or for youth to help increase some of their social and emotional skills or help, like, um, help them understand and work with their mental health? Yes, I, I think it's important as a parent or caregiver to remember what it was like when they were a kid. Mm. You know, I as as adults and pa and parents, we tend to move and act as if we're all we're all we were always grown with all the answers, and we tend to forget the growing thing. Yes, taught us valuable lessons and helped us break out of our shells and ascend along the way. If you if you want your son or daughter to gain social emotional skills, it's important to look within first. Yes, <laughs> basically, if you want your son or daughter, oh. if you want your child, because gender is a construct, to be a yes. functioning human then you have to do the work yourself. If you do the work, everyone else will do the work. Yes, you, you can't help you can't help your kids if you can't help yourself. So what do, what, what do I mean by this? As a parent or caregiver, you don't know how to control your own emotions when you get upset, right. angry, frustrated, burned out from work. Mm -hmm. It will manifest in various ways. Pro, it will project, you will project onto your kid and it will pass down to, your, to their kid. <laughs> so, right. so what can we do, right? Um, 
parents parents can consider ways to model and practice strategies for coping with stress for their kids. For example, uh, parents can consider their own stress management techniques and consider mm-hmm. inviting their kids to join them, like taking walks, playing with your pet, uh, listening to music, working on breathing techniques. Just, it, it can yes. be so simple. <laughs> um, you know, parents can encourage kids to identify what activities help them to feel relaxed and yeah. the friends and family and make time for those activities each day you know make it important make it a, a you and me thing that makes me happy to be with you you know when you're in the right mindset and you can lift up the ones you love you know model that behavior you want to see because they they take the cues from us right as the parents they take the, the kids take the cues from us so self-care and gratitude go a long way in social emotional learning and so so yeah social emotional learning so what what do you do for you how do you unwind you know that that that's going to show how your daughter might be able to unwind or so obviously we always can't unwind with wine (laughs) (laughs) we can't (laughs) everything in moderation you know everything can go against you gotta have that balance so it's just uh, and then gratitude like Ina or t do you ever say wow Look how far I've come. Good job, Ina. I'm on episode 35 or 27. I'm killing it. Good job. You're right. You're right. See, you have been building. You have been building and building and building it. And I have never been so proud of someone I've ever worked with in my life. Yo, Danny. (laughs) Thank you, man. But I think you're right. I think um, my partner actually just said that to me the other day of like, I get so stressed in keeping moving that I don't stop and look at what I felt. Right. Yes. And I don't think a lot of us have stopped and looked at what I've built and I think look at what we've built. And I think this is kind of about survival mode in some ways. And this yes. is about like beating ourselves up and others. And this is about like also, you know, not taking care of ourselves. Right. And even just when I hear like survival mode, it just makes my hair stick up in my arm because seeing how far we've come and to see that you're still operating within survival mode, like, come on, we're better yeah. than that. Yeah. It's time to- one of the things that jumps out to me is um, the importance of play, because you mentioned um, tapping back into what it was like to be a child, which for some of us is a little bit more challenging than others. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I think that it, it's it's really easy to get disconnected from your experience. But I think the importance of play is one of the things that could maybe bring that up. Um, at least for me. And so what are the things that make me excited? What are the things that bring me joy? Or when do I feel the most playful? Um, And then tapping back into that aspect of myself is probably when I'm most receptive and open to um, my kids even, you know, because I'm in that mood and I can remember what it's like to be young and playful uh, with all, just the day-to-day, you know, responsibilities. It's easy to get lost in adulthood and adulting. Um, and parenting. So I like that. I like the aspect of like trying to rekindle, you know, some of your youth and remember what it was like to be a kid. Because when I think about high school, you know, I think there are times when I'm really wanting to push my daughter to be her best self. But I remember I hated most of my high school experience. Like I I, I did not enjoy um, puberty, a teenage years no. in high school. And so I'm like, <laughs> no. No. if I think about I- what she might be going through, it gives me immediately so much more empathy for her. But I have to remember that, right? And get out of parent mode. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I was so, I was going through a major depressive episode in high school. It was the worst. I think if someone paid me like a hundred million dollars to go back and go through high school again, I don't think I could do it. But I think it, but I think, you know, and like, 
And I think that's the other thing when you work with youth and you are trying to actively tap into that, like, wow, what was it like being in high school with a bunch of other people your age and like trying to like stick out, but also not trying to stick out too much yeah, and like trying to do right? all of it. It's hard. It is. It my is. mom, uh, my, my, my mom is kind of a parent who didn't understand or didn't want to remember. Right. And then she's like, mm. ah, you're X and X age. You don't have to pay bills. Like nothing's nothing's wrong. Like everything's yeah. fine, you know. And it's like, man, is it? <laughs> that, that, <laughs> see what happens today when I do one on one uh, with with my fellows and my students. Though the first thing I tell me is I don't have a supportive environment at home. As soon as I say uh, mm. today was hard because of this, and they're like, boy, when I was your age, we used to have to walk seven right. miles. Right. <laughs> it's just like. Uh, uh, they yeah. lost, we lost them. They shut down. Yep. Uh, fight, fight, flight, or freeze. They're freezing and they're leaving. <laughs> you know what? That's actually the perfect segue into the next question I wanted to ask you, which is about how we can foster greater communication. You know, amongst our our youth and adolescents, our teens. Um, I think communication is often the biggest barrier, or one of the biggest barriers between um, us and our children, or adults and teens and adolescents. So what are some ways that we can kind of create more or better channels of communicating with our young people? Um, I think in order to foster greater communication, it's essential to create a safe space where yeah. teens, adolescents feel they can share with you. Yeah. Uh, meet, yeah. Meet, them, meet them on their level. You know, mm. that doesn't mean dumb it down. Right. <laughs> that doesn't mean right. like you're t physically telling them, hey, I'm, I'm going to come down to your level. No, that's not what I mean. Yeah. Come to your level in conversation. Meet them on their level with absolutely zero judgment, and mm. make sure you know make yourself vulnerable so they can feel it and want to reciprocate. Let's remember. Uh, let's get let's get a, let's get a little nerdy. Let's remember that the amygdala, the prefrontal cortex, mm -hmm. are not fully developed in the brain yet when you're That's a teen, right. and That's those right. regions of the brain are responsible for immediate reactions, including fear and aggressive behavior. With that being said, it's even more critical for parents to bring a positive mindset when communicating with teens be, to be mindful of your words because we all yeah. know nobody's words cuts deeper. Your mm. parents, the wrong words cause them to shut down mentally, emotionally, spiritually, make them feel like they are not supported or worthy. It's also so important to open up about your own mental health as an adult to, to the teens so they know that they have support and they're not alone with their feelings. I, I, have, I have a master's in mental health and wellness, but that doesn't mean I'm always in control of my mind or yeah. mental health. You know, as a matter of fact, studying mental health saved my life because my world fell apart when I lost my father in 2013. Mm. Died 10 days before my birthday and four months before I crossed the stage to receive my bachelor's degree. Yeah. If you want better communication, learn to process with your kid when you guys have an uncomfortable conversation or argument. You have you guys ever seen Matilda, the movie? Oh, I movie? Yes, I used to love that. <laughs> uh, you remember Danny DeVito's character, Harry Wormwood? Yep. When Matilda was in trouble, her dad goes, "I'm smart. You're dumb. I'm big. You're little. Yeah. I'm right. You're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it." That's right. That's terrible. Meet them on their level, and you will be surprised what conversations you get from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Just like a bucket of truth, man. Right? It's, <laughs> it's hard. And because like, like, honestly speaking, like as a parent um, of a teen, <clears throat> I think we, or at least for me, sometimes I feel like I want to make sure that I have communication um, and I'm coming into the conversation non-judgmentally. And then I wonder if I'm lowering expectations. Like I think people and, and parents and adults 
can relate to like this idea of if you just are always non-judgmental and you just are understanding and you're listening and you're not like offering you know some critical feedback that you're lowering expectations and that your child won't you know rise to the occasion um what do you say to that that's a real concern that that i've had hmm. I, well, the first thing that i say is the what did you say you had for your daughter? Expectations. Yeah, like. So you have a certain level, a certain level of excellence that they need to reach for what? I think it's more so around like, if I don't remind you of like what you can do, like I'm afraid of what you. Oh yes. You know what I mean? Like well, you I mean, won't. That's just, that's just also that's you. You're never going to be like a hundred percent like open like 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 a hundred percent like okay tell me everything and I am non judgmental you you are yeah. a piece of her right you are young her she's she's young you and so it's just like um you, there's so much you want to tell her right because maybe she might fall into the same trap that you might have fell at a certain time in your life or a certain situation that she deprives you right so it's hard to yes yeah it's, it's hard to be to be mim and then it happens you're like wow now is it my fault as a parent because that I, I didn't shield her? Yeah, but this is but this is also the great the great mysteries. If we shield them from everything, then they're not going to be built for anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I remember all the all the stripes that you got, you know, because you were independent. You did your thing, so we got to give that same level of independence too. Not to say not to give them the whole thing, because obviously right. when we give them, a deal, we see what happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. It's, it's about important. trying to find that balance. I think is what yeah. you're sharing. Yeah. If you're too much on the rah-rah side, they might take advantage of it or might think you're more of a friend than this and that, you know? Yeah. And then if you're on the other side, oh, you're, my mom's just, she's a tyrant, you know? She's that, she, she, she announced it this and this very military, you know, militant way. So it's yeah. just, it, there's, there's no wrong way to go about it. I just think you, as long as you're true and your authentic self, your daughter will see that. But if you're, if you were this type of person growing up and you had this type of expectations for your daughter, they're going to see through that. Ooh. And that's, and that's the biggest thing that I that I see through my students is they see through their parents because they are them. And you guys don't realize that is they are a piece of you. They're, they're ascending to you. They might not be there yet, but they're mm -hmm. not stupid. They're on the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Danny, I kind of don't like, I, I, I have to, I have to ask this question. Um, but I, because of all of this, like really incredible wisdom that you're sharing with us, I really want to know your thoughts about how Danny smiles because he knew this was coming. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I want to know your thoughts about toxic masculinity and like how you address that in your work with your fellows and and also like what that means about like you being a father. So yeah, we're working with my students. We, uh, we work with a lot of uh, Latinos, Latinx students and it's called, you know, machismo-ness, you know, that, yeah. that bravada, that the men the men share it's, it's a cultural thing uh my, my best friend is a uh, pakistani and his, and his family um i'll never forget i was at his uh wedding it was mendy festival and his his husband told me or his his dad told me to sit down because i was trying to serve my wife uh, a plate she's like the wife serves the plate and i grabbed his hand and i was like i serve my wife <laughs> and so it was right. just like uh, the uphill battles that you face with every every race every right. race has a problem has a problem with uh being machismo or being wh what they call dominant or the man's man you know what's manly when you when you when your wife cooks and you clean mm. when, when, when when she when she can't handle the baby no more because she's been up all night with them and then you take over the reins that's that's being a man to me 
Like, you know, that that's yeah, equal partnership. Mm. I, I grew up I grew up with my mom and three three boys. So should we if we were taught if I if I do here, meet me here, meet me halfway. And so with toxic masculinity, it's putting all first of all, women, black women in general are the most oppressed in America. Right. And then it goes down, it trickles down in color to it goes dark to light, right? Mm-hmm. And so to, to that for them to have that level of oppression. And then for us men to to cite with that oppression, I think that's us upholding upholding whiteness. For sure. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that's not something I abide by. And I also say that because it's even in the Bible, right? Uh, in the New Testament, I believe that um, I'm not really versed with it, but what I what I do know is that the men dominated. And, and come on, man, just like, just you know, in ancient Egyptian times. The woman was revered. Mm-hmm. And we also talk about how in a lot of indigenous societies were matriarchal, right? Where a lot of yeah. the elders were like old postmenopausal women. I want to show you guys a statue in Egyptian times. It was the woman that put her hand around the uh, around the man to let them know they're supported. Yes. And, and everything has been perverse and stolen from Egyptian history, stolen from like, I don't mean to sidebar. I knew I was going to do this in this podcast. But it's, you know, we're, we're, we're colonize to thrive, right? This is how I decolonize. By me, That's right. me, we want to hear it. By me understanding that I was born, I was I was born of Puerto Rican descent. I thought that was its own person until I learned uh, the Atlantic slave trades. And I, I learned that basically the difference between me and a Cuban and a Dominican and a Haitian and a Hispaniola mm-hmm. is they just dropped us off at a different island mm-hmm. and a different, we all came from the motherland. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, Spain, uh, Portugal uh, took over Puerto Rico, and then Spain took over Puerto Rico, and then America took over Puerto Rico. We've been colonized since the since the beginning of of, of time, it seems. Hold on, okay. but it's, so it, it's just it's it's tough to to understand understand that it was, and understand what what am I as I'm Puerto Rican, but what is a Puerto Rican? You know, he, he's a, he, he's he's part colonizer. He, he, he's mm. African, he's part indigenous Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. You know, the Tainos that were on the island because the Tainos were were taken out when the Europeans came because of the diseases and right. you know, all like that. The original part of the slave trade. But yeah. What's crazy mm-hmm. about, about uh, the island is that the Tainos, there was no war, there was no fight. We opened the land to, right. to them. Right. We started dying out from the pox and all that stuff. So it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So I hear a lot about like how masculinity is really linked um, or like this kind of machismo is really linked to like colonization and colonizers Mm -hmm. and also whiteness. And to like engage in that is to also engage in whiteness. Right. And to and to think about other ways of being and to think about engaging like a female partner, like an equal rather than a subservient is also engaging in like a kind of decolonized practice going back to what it should be or ought to be or was it just it just goes so far back that it you know people are listening here now would think we're just starting like a race war or something or we're starting a, a, some sort of, of a fight or a bickering but it, the truth is like it's such they don't teach you the history because if you don't know your past you won't know your future that's right yes and keep us you know uh you know kanye said it the best on all falls down they make us hate ourselves but love they will Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Before the Kardashians got to him. 
Yeah, I'm just Kanye first three albums. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a, he's a wonderful beat maker, probably one of the greatest producers of all time. One of them. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> um, so to readjust and go back to the work you do, and also um, like working with young men and being a youth guidance specialist, uh, we really want to hear one of your success stories with one of your students, yes. and we also want to hear. Uh, what you think created that success story? Oh, gosh. I know. Story <laughs> time on the podcast. What is a success? Well, teaching a room of incoming sophomores what mental health is, how to cope when you're down, yeah. mindfulness, awareness, dealing with the illusion of failure. I say the illusion because in life, we really don't take L's, but lessons mm. that we that make us smarter to attack more intelligently next time, thus transmuting that L into success. Yes. So yeah. through through three years of, of, of working with the fellows, sometimes after a session or a peace circle, I would question myself if I, if I could have taught the session better or, or grasped more students in the crowd's attention with better keywords or examples. There was sometimes I felt like that running hour sessions or two hour sessions. Sometimes you feel like you're just boring your students, you know, or, yeah. or like bringing too much talk about mental health and they're like, all right, let me look at my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, uh, at the end of the school year, our students had presentations to show our partners at J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, the the mentors, parents, coaches to show to show all of us what they learned the past three years. There were a few students that personally shouted me out in their powerpoints. Like they went to the PowerPoint, and it was just me, and I'm sitting there not knowing this is going to happen. <laughs> I'm looking at them like, how'd y'all get that picture of me? And then, <laughs> and so. They, they shot me on their PowerPoints talking about how it's okay for men to show emotion and cry and express themselves and be their true authentic selves. They were saying all, all that I instill in them with mental health as well to protect your energy. And I was not expecting it. So I was choking up in the back trying to keep it together. <laughs> and then I realized like I got through to them. Yeah. Like got through. They were quoting me in there. So I was like, <laughs> yes, I think because, uh, you know, not everyone gets excited about mental health and plus being the mental health person in your family, everyone stays away from you. Mm-hmm, right <laughs> yes it is true. my mama when she introduces me she goes oh this is danny he's he's yeah. a professor he's a professor <laughs> but it's just uh realizing that you're getting through to them it's so powerful when you do get through i'm i'm, I'm blessed to be in the field where i can get help where I, where I can help young students of color see and break their generational traumas that yes. get passed down for their parents and their ancestors. Talk to them as mm-hmm. sophomores. They didn't want to talk, participate. They were always on their phones. Then we fast forward them to senior year. They're damn near doing TED Talks in front of us about their time at TFI, watching them comport themselves in gentlemanly behavior. Like the college tours, college acceptances is truly something powerful to be a part of. What yes. do you think you did or showed them or or how do you think you showed up um that helped them listen like how did you get them to listen i think this is like the million this is like the million dollar question isn't it yeah (laughs) like like how did you get them to listen to give you a background i am not a nine to five guy i always believed that my talents could be done in three hours i can show you my talents in three hours you should pay me double Mm -hmm. love it i'm about it so I, i bring i bring that confidence in the room and what what I what I noticed is when I when I bring it when I bring it like it just that energy just flows out and, and if yeah. there's like twenty guys in the room if I reach ten those other ten will get to the other ten. Mm-hmm. It's contagious. So it just, 
Yeah. And so that's what I like. It's not just me. It's like, I can get someone else jumping up talking. And then next thing you know, it blew my mind. Some of the fellows like, Dan, do you mind if we take over the circle? And I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's incredible. And I think it that's is. one of the, um, the best ways to know that you're actually making an impact is when they want to take over and take ownership of that space. Um, so that says a lot. And also just your authenticity, right? I, one of the things I know about young people is they pick up on that very quickly, right? Mm -hmm. They know who's genuine. They know who cares um, and they know what's authentic and they respond uh, to that without even thinking about it. So um, it just speaks to the authenticity that you bring into the space. Mm -hmm. the, the, thank you. And the, the, the biggest thing about the authenticity is like you said, they can see through you in a second. Like sure. the first thing they can see through it, then you're cut off. So yeah. what I have to do is I can throw myself in the fire. I don't, I don't pick on people who don't have their hand raised. So I'll just throw myself in the fire. If they want to hear, if I have to put myself in an embarrassing story, or I'll just tell, I'll pick one of my many embarrassing stories in my life and just share it with you guys. <laughs> you know, or um, I have no problem telling my, my students who are heading to college that it took me seven years to get my bachelor's degree. It took me one to get my master's. Leading with vulnerability. Yes. No, it's just there's time that I got. I had a 2.2 GPA in high school. I had a 2.5 GPA in college. I had a 3.8 GPA in my master's. So it, it, it only stops when you stop, when you want to stop. It picks up when you want to pick up. It's within I, you. Yeah. And I think like Danny, when we used to work together, we would work with bees or better, which talked about how important it was to get bees or better in your ninth grade year. Yeah. Right. And, and mm. it really did because Danny, your GPA was not like it was not that throughout your high school, throughout undergrad, and then your master's, you hit it out of the park. And here you are, a whole professional. Yes. You know, you know I, I get for the majority that that might, you know, push you like, oh, bees are better. But, you know, just that you you want to take the road less traveled sometimes. And sometimes when, when we mess up or we dig ourselves deep in a hole at like the first two semesters, you get a D or an F or you don't go to class and you mm. got the, you know, you got to pick yourself up or it's over. Like the biggest thing for me, like, uh, like I told you one when, when uh, I told you when my my father passed away, I told you I went to school for seven years, so I should have graduated in four, which means I would have had three years with my father. Mm -hmm. So when he passed, it let me know that I was fucking around too much in college, and I'm sorry for cursing. <laughs> I still have a passion. <laughs> I want to listen to that part. <laughs> no, we love. <laughs> we love. We it. love it. Um, so, what's something that you've learned that continues to be? true the more you teach and the more that you work with youth <laughs> oh personal development is key if, if you work on yourself harder than you work at your job at school you will shine at your job you will shine at school but most of all you will shine inside with within the light will shine within you keep yourself motivated reflect on your talent don't be afraid to have gratitude for yourself be thankful for how you got to this point and how you build even more it's amazing what our kids can do if they have a chance resources and most importantly support yeah. Yeah. I think um everything that you said on the podcast so far, I love because I want to put it on a giant banner that's like, support your kids. <laughs> you know, like support the kids around you. And I think yes. I think you're totally right. I think there's so much that kids can do when they have a group of adults around them who just care about them and mm. are willing to help them when they ask for it or when they need help. And who are starting with themselves. Yes. Right? It's yeah. hard to tell high schoolers that the people you surround yourself with kind of make you up. It's too. true. Don't they? So Not only are you what you eat, but you are what you hang yeah. out with. Yeah. You and even into adulthood. 
Yes. Yeah. Especially. It doesn't change. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many toxic family members that I've had to distance myself from because it's just, it don't matter what your age is. They just yeah. want to have the same negative conversations. They want to have same. the same race talks. Like just because this person brought me down, I'm going to hit on the whole race of people. Like I can't do that. That's not in yeah. me. It's not in me. You no. know, so I just, it, it's tough because the biggest battle you like even in mental health like i could go get my phd and be a doctor and i know that no one in my family will let me help them yeah those yeah. are the people that want to help the most so that's why i go extra hard with my students because they're my family yeah yeah uh geez dan danny i didn't know that you were coming on to the podcast to preach today. Um, but I appreciate it because you gave us a lot to think about. And I think all sure. of it is all of it is true and important. And I, and I think everything that you said about uh, youth development and um, mental health and wellness, Lord, <laughs> mental health and wellness kind of yes. starting with you first, I think is so important, you know? And I think it's like, and I think Ina, um, you know, especially since we just had that episode about like reflection on some of our guests, I think that's yes. something that's come up a lot, right? Is it has, mental yes. health and how important that is both for our community and like how it has, we have to be the seed. We have to be the change that we want to see in our community uh. in terms of like, you know, being better. And if our kids can see us being better, then they are inspired to be better. That's right. Uh, this is one of those episodes for me that I'm going to have to go back and listen to at least two or three more times because there's mm -hmm. so many gems in here for me as a parent and I'm just grateful for this conversation because um parenting is hard yeah and <laughs> like I think it's, it's a lot really harder than people get hard. it for uh -huh. yes. it is yes I, got, I hear my I hear my son downstairs right now I was like I haven't um my baby boy Jaden Keanu um he well we're big John Wick fans so his middle name is Keanu through the John Wick series do you know how stoked I am about oh, I this? I've already told him how stoked I am about this I love, <laughs> I love this I also love this baby but like you know he's you know he's he's our little fortune he's, he inspires me to be better better me every day I see his smile and it gives my life energy I stare into his beautiful hazel eyes that I'm blessed with from my queen my beautiful wife and he used he uses my dimples against me <laughs> <laughs> It, it really brings life full circle for me. Um, the work yeah. that I do, the work that I do with the youth teaches me that I'm in a position to empower, inspire, and you know, creativity in these young men of color. Mm -hmm. You show you show me when when they are supported, when they are heard, when they have resources, when they have people that look like them that they can look up to and see them working in their passions. It shows me that this is just the beginning. We are only scratching the surface. We can do better. We can serve more people. The youth teach me patience and persistence. Like. Um, when, when they um, when they use that in their own lives, I know I've done my job. Mom, yeah. my, my my son will be in the perfect position to be great and do great things because he has two loving parents who support him mentally, physically, holistically. Whatever he wants to be, he can be. Whatever he wants to do, he can do. And if he ever falls, he knows I'll be there to pick him up and process with. Him. Yeah, and this is why I was so excited for you to have a baby because I was like, Danny and April are going to be wonderful, wonderful parents. And I also think like I was blessed enough to be at Danny's wedding. Um, for the viewers who don't know this, me and Danny are like actual pals. Like we're <laughs> like we're actual pals. Uh, but I was blessed enough to be at Danny's wedding. And not only was it beautiful, but I think I want to call out the way that like what Danny said is not just like words, like it's real, right? Like yeah. the way that you treat April, your wife, right? The way that you um, are so willing to meet her 60% you know, mm -hmm. in everything, the way that she knows this to be true, the so story, important. 
that I think there was like a caterer or something at your wedding that asked you to give you a short list of what April would like. And you sent her a list of like 80 things. Like, <laughs> they're all of her favorite things. And these are all of very, very important. And I just like, like, I think that this kind of commitment to the people in your life is, can be a model for like yeah. how we can be. And I think one of your gifts as a human is that you have this connection, right? When we work mm. together, you called yourself the glue because without you, none of us would do anything <laughs> or could do anything mm. together, right? And I think in every space that you are in, you are the glue. And I think you inspire these young men to be glue themselves. Yes, for sure. Yes, you know what? Once you step out your comfort zone, there's so much beauty in this world. Like, but yeah. um, being from the United States, you know, if you don't travel, you won't see all the lies. Right? That's so and another key term in this podcast, travel. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, I, when I went to um I went to Mexico to see my, my wife's homeland, it was beautiful. But I walked in there with so many stereotypes and I was so nervous mm -hmm. being in Mexico. There was people darker than me when I went there. And so and I, I thought like I, I just thought like, oh, it's gonna be an uncomfortable experience. When you walk past anyone in, in the neighborhood, they were so nice and respectful. I was blown away. I almost had to apologize to my my in-laws <laughs> and um Dominican Republic. So, so beautiful. This so beautiful. Yeah. I just came back from Puerto Rico for my honeymoon. And guys, if you ever have a chance to go to Puerto Rico, please do. Definitely. It's, it's everything. everything. That's amazing. Yeah. I think you said something super powerful and it's just about stepping outside of your comfort zone because ultimately that's what all of this is. Yeah. Um, and it, when we stay in our comfort zones, um, growth is almost impossible. So um, love what you're doing. And, and, you know, I think you really rise to the occasion. And you remind me of a quote um, that I just heard recently about if you want to change the world, start with loving the people in your home, start with loving yeah. the people that are closest to you. And I really think that um, as simple as that is, that is ultimately where it starts. And um, I think you're a shining example of that. So just thank you for who you are and for um, sharing your wisdom with us today. It, it's mm -hmm. incredible. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate you so much. And, you know, the biggest thing I get is, you know, you you get what you put in. And if you're That's not right. putting, if you're not serving anyone, you're not helping people, then you're not getting nothing. Yes, That's absolutely. Right. That's right. Man, so, Danny, thanks so much. This was amazing. Like, even was. better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I, was I was nervous for this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> no need. You always do so well in these situations. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. You're you. welcome. Hey listeners, I just wanted to take a moment out to say thank you. We have the deepest gratitude for your support and your willingness to listen to our episodes on the Decolonize to Thrive podcast. I'm also asking that if you have just a few seconds that you take a moment quickly to rate and review our podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It would mean so much to us if you left your feedback about how the podcast has impacted you or anything you might have learned so far. Secondly, we ask that you do share and follow our Instagram page at Decolonize to Thrive. And finally, we would love to feature your thoughts in a subsequent episode. And you can share those by leaving a voicemail at 312-843-3033. Or you can email your thoughts to Decolonize to Thrive at gmail.com. That is decolonize number two thrive at gmail.com. Again, we thank you so much for listening and we appreciate your support.